What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Fortinet Championship. That's right, the event formerly known as the Safeway Open, kicking off the new season. Hopefully, you enjoyed your one week off. If you're new, welcome. If you have some uh, newfound NFL dollars that you're looking to put into the PGA Tour, you are in the right spot. Just a few things right off the top here. With the new season, you are going to see a couple of new updates on rickrungood.com. That's my golf data website worth all the tools that you're going to see to be able to build custom models and see who the best players are for the course. All that good stuff is available at rickrungood.com. There are three different live chats this week. There is the standard 3 p.m. Eastern time. That's kind of like the flagship live chat on Wednesday. That's all your questions, answers, ownership, whatever you want. That time is yours. 8.15 p.m. Eastern time is the jock market power hour. That is stock market DFS. It is a fascinating game lots of strategy lots of money to be made join us for that we give away free money as well and then there is a cut sweat show on friday tentatively scheduled for 4 p.m eastern time that might change depending on kind of where the cut sat and the telecast and all that good stuff. So keep an eye out for that. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you get notified for when I do go live. That's going to be a data-driven cut sweat show to show you what the 5 of 6 number, the 6 of 6 number is going to be, how that's impacting your lineups, which golfers you're rooting for, which golfers you're rooting against, all that good stuff. And then finally, with the new season, go out and support uh, your content creators, right? Not just me. Go out and support everybody. Give them your, your likes, your subscribe. This stuff costs you nothing. Uh, write them reviews. Uh, in return, I'm happy to give away a, a subscription to rickrungood.com. So here's what I do. There are two ways to win a subscription to rickrungood.com. Number one, if you're on YouTube, make sure that you have uh, liked this video. Make sure you are subscribed and comment below with who is going to win the Fortinet Championship. That's way one. Way number two is to leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast version of this show. It is called 300 Yards to Unknown. There will be a link in the description. Leave a five-star rating. Say something nice about the show. Leave me your Twitter handle, and that will get you entered into a draw as well. You do both. You double your chances. Okay. Otherwise, I think it is time to jump in to the DFS preview with a brand new tool. Oh mama, the brand new course key stats tool. And if you have been following me for the past couple of years, this calculation that I do has forever been one of the, the favorite, my, my most favorite things that I do. Uh, so essentially what I do is for every single course on the PGA tour, I um, run a regression model, right? So the way that I do it is I take um, all of the season-long stats for each player, compare them to the results at every single course, and start building uh, types of players that have success at every single course. It is more uh, predictive than reactive compared to, I know, some of the ways that other people will do it out there in the industry. And I do have a tutorial for this new tool, but my goal was to, um, first off, keep all the same great data, make it easier to read, and then give you some actionable data at the end. So let's talk through this. Uh, Silverado Resort and Spa, this is the North Course, the so same course. It's a, it's a new sponsor. Nothing else has changed, right? Still your full field event up in Napa, same course, all that good stuff. It's a par 72, about 7,100 yards. And the way that I have this broken down here on the right-hand side with this radar chart is to show you which stats are more or less important than the tour average. And what you're seeing from Silverado is that the strokes gain metrics, the driving accuracy metrics, the dri driving distance metrics, the things that are normally the more common stats 
all well below tour average, not anything that stands out uh, really particularly, right? I mean, the, the best, most important stat would be driving distance, but there are 38 other courses in which driving distance is more important out of the 70 that I've ran. So there's not really a whole heck of a lot of, of metrics uh, that you would want to be hanging your hat on. Now, uh, I did in continue to give you the highest correlated stats. Uh, so this is every stat on the PGA Tour. On the right-hand side, I give you what I think are the best, most important stats. I still want to show you the highly correlated stats. And of course, approaches from 125 to 150 yards from the rough is number one. Again, that's kind of an issue, right? I mean, that's that's not a real predictive stat. Um, driving efficiency was number two. Um, consecutive greens and regulation is up there as well. You can kind of see this turning into, especially even though, even though these are, uh, rough numbers, you can start to see there's a lot of approach numbers on here. There's a lot of driving numbers on here. You can see how this might turn into a bit of a ball strikers, uh, place, but there is not one really solid stat, uh, that stands out amongst others. But what I have done this year, and this is brand, brand new is I have this essentially uh, course fit tool. So now finally we've gone, you know, over the years we've gone one step further each and every time, right? You determine what stats are important. Then you determine how important they are. Then you start to determine who is going to be good in those stats. Then you start to use the metrics and how, how correlated they are and the differences between those stats. And you start weighing them for each player to find a good course fit. So again, go watch the tutorial. It's on my YouTube channel under tool tutorials, but in short, um, you know, for courses that uh, driving distance is really, really important, you're going to see Bryson DeChambeau and other long hitters get a really big bump there. On courses where driving distance is not as important, you're going to see that be weighed down. And what's really cool about this is I do it for all the major categories, and then you can choose how many rounds you want to look at. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. So I have the last 50 rounds plugged in here. That's kind of a longer-term view for me. And right out of the gate, you can see uh, Cameron Young, number one in adjusted fit. Now, let's be real here. I only have four measured rounds on Cameron Young. So you can kind of, you know, you can take that into consideration, but you can move past that. No surprise to see John Rahm. Uh, John Rahm, uh, his accuracy off the tee, his distance, you know, when you start looking at how these numbers up top correlate to success, and in and, and the stat categories that John Rahm is good at and how he is better than them at the rest of the field, he's your number one course fit. Um, in terms of other golfers that have 50 or more rounds, uh, Charlie Hoffman is up there. Mito Pereira doesn't have 50 rounds, but he has 22 rounds, and we're going to talk about him more in just a second. Webb Simpson is here. Cameron Tringale is here. So this is a really cool tool, and again, you can adjust this. If you want to see more recently, you know, last 24 rounds, for example, um, you'll see this You'll see this jump around. Kevin Na gets a boost. Hank Lebiota gets a boost. Pat Perez gets a boost. Uh, so it's a really cool course fit tool that is math based, which I love. It's all very data driven. And then you can decide the time frame that you want. Let's take a look at the cheat sheet here. And what you're going to notice is that John Rahm has done it. He has cracked the $12,000 mark on DraftKings. He's 12,100. That is um, the most expensive non-tour championship 
salary that I that I have in my database, which goes back to 2018. So we are in uncharted territory here for John Rahm, and there's a big gap between him and Hideki Matsuyama, the second most expensive golfer. Now, uh, is it warranted? Well, Rahm hasn't played here since 2017. He finished 15th. He is a completely different player since then. He's been absolutely dominant. He seems to be uh, wanting to round into shape for the Ryder Cup, which is coming up in just a couple of weeks. So it was a little bit of a surprise to even see him teeing it up at this event. And I I really don't think the price is that bad, right? I mean, he should have been easily eleven nine, twelve thousand dollars, something like that. If you look at his betting odds, uh, he is three to one. He is three to one, which is again the shortest odds uh, that I have in my database for any full field event, any any non tour championship uh, outright win. I mean, it, it, it's shocking. So. What I think is going to end up happening is I, I can, I, especially in single entries, John Rahm is going to be, uh, he's going to continue to be very, very popular. He might push 35 or 40% ownership in single entries because there are a lot of new names in this field and people are going to go with what they know, right? They're going to go with the comfort level, the, the, the acumen, the recent play of John Rahm and the fact that he is such a huge favorite. I don't have a problem with that because I think we can sift through the rest of this field and find some of those non-familiar names that I think can play really well at this event. So I'm, I'm, I don't think I'll bet John Rom to win, but I have no problem, uh, kind of rolling him out in my DFS lineups for this week. Now, the rest of this 10 K range is kind of interesting. And I don't mean that necessarily in a good way. I think if you play John Rom, you can probably avoid the rest of this $10,000 range. Do I want to pay a flat $10,000 for Kevin Nah, who has been, uh, scorching hot? Unlikely. Uh, none of these guys have a lot or great success in Napa. Um, I think the one most interesting might be Webb Simpson. You know, Webb had such kind of a, a weird year, right? I mean, he, he tested positive for COVID last year. He had the neck injury. He didn't really play up to what we were expecting, but I, I did start to see some good signs from Webb, at least in the past, in the last couple of months of last season. You can see he ends his season, and he doesn't go to the Tour Championship, so he ends at the BMW Championship, gaining a lot of strokes on approach in his last three events. He gained strokes on approach in essentially one, two, three, four, five, what, eight of his last ten. That's a very good sign. The putter, we're going to start to see, uh, need to see him get more consistent with the putter. That's the that's the blueprint for Webb Simpson, but I think that uh, twenty the 2021 slash 2022 season is probably going to be a pretty good time to buy low on web. And I know it's funny to say that at 10,800 here, I still think it is a buy low opportunity just because of what expectations are going to be. I don't think people are going to opt to play a lot of web. You're going to see Will Zalatoris in a lot of lineups. He's been now crowned as your rookie of the year from last season. He unfortunately did not get to compete at the uh, in any of the playoff events. But if you start to look at, you know, let's just let's just go to the Holy Grail here and and look for, you know, Zalatoris after he came on the scene last year. Let's let's pull up those numbers, which I think would have been about um, the U.S. Open in September. Yeah, so if we run this back to last September, so about the last 365 days uh, of guys who had as many rounds as Will Zalatoris, nobody was better in terms of strokes gain total. Now, of course, uh, Webb Simpson was close. He was better in this field. John Rahm, uh, obviously significantly better, did not play as many rounds as Will Zalatoris, but only played six less. So uh, Zalatoris is certainly deserving of this $10,500 number. I think he's probably going to be the second most popular one uh, uh, in this uh, on this slate, or at least, excuse me, out of this $10,000 range. So I think it goes probably Rom, then Zalatoris, 
then kind of a toss-up maybe between... I mean, I could see Kevin Na getting a lot of love because people are going to look at his results and see that he's got four consecutive top 20s um, with three of them being top eight finishes and all that good stuff. So I imagine that's kind of how the $10,000 range shakes out. The $9,000 range is pretty fascinating. It's very, very small. Uh, Cameron Tringale at 9,700, I think, is, is the most interesting. So if you look at this metric right here, he gains on average... Uh, 13 DraftKings points to the field. What does that mean? It's the same thing as strokes gained. You take the average number of DraftKings points uh, each week, and if you earned more than that, you earned more. If you earned less than that, you you lost, right? That's that's literally how it works. And what it really kind of does is it levels the playing field for um, you know very difficult courses, very easy courses, because scoring 75 uh, DraftKings points in a no-cut event that is very easy is not all that great. Scoring 75 DraftKings points at the U.S. Open uh, in a cut event where things are very difficult is awesome. So this kind of normalizes it a little bit. And if you look at the $9,000 range, uh, he is basically head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of those DraftKings uh, points gained, right? I mean, Mark Leishman uh, has half the number that, that Cameron Tringale has. Siwoo si Kim, uh, a quarter of it. You know, it, he, he really does kind of stand alone. And if we do look uh, at his golfer profile and we look up his metrics, we can kind of see uh, the types of ways that, that Tringale gets this done. And it is uh, generally through uh, very good putt. Last year, he was 16th on tour. He's pretty good on approach, 42nd there. And then strokes gained off the tee. That's kind of where he struggles, but he has gotten better. Uh, 115th on tour. You can see at the end of 2020, that would be a little bit of a concern for me where he just kind of started losing the gains that he had with the driver at the end of, uh, I guess I should say, of the 2021 season. It's going to be hard to convince myself that we're already into the 2022 season but uh if he can figure that out and generally speaking what I like to do is you know guys who had multiple weeks off right these guys played nearly every single week he hasn't played since the BMW championship so he had the tour championship off he had the week off obviously uh for the break it's been now three weeks I, I like to at least give most guys credit for getting back to their baseline and if Tram Cameron Tringale gets back to his baseline in a lot of areas especially with the driver I think he becomes much more interesting and he does uh he does play here at napa a lot so it should be a course that he is familiar with the other one out of this range would be uh sebastian munoz he's ninety two hundred dollars he has um he is a lot more volatile than some of the other golfers that we have on the pga tour but look at his approach numbers at the end of the 2021 season he gained strokes on approach in every event dating back to the u.s open that was eight measured events for him same thing from tita green um the the putter is the one thing that kind of unlocks his good results right he can gain two strokes putting and finish fourth at the olympics he can gain um you know two points six at the John Deere and finished fourth at that event, obviously a much larger event on the PGA tour. So he is a much more volatile option. Uh, in no way would I be encouraging him as a, as a, a safe play, but I do think he is an interesting one. What's up, guys? Just wanted to pop in real quick and see if you're a member of rickrungood.com yet. If you have not been paying attention, there's been a lot of new data injected. There's been a lot of new tools. Things are constantly being updated. You're getting official PGA Tour strokes gain data round by round. There's a ton of Corn Ferry Tour information. There's a ton of Champions Tour information. The custom model has been, is constantly being expanded so that you can choose any metrics that you want and create lineups that way it's constantly being updated and there are a few ways to join it's seven dollars a week it's twenty dollars a month it's a hundred for six months or 200 for the year which also gets you access into the slack channel where there is plenty of discussion questions answers all that good stuff going on all the time so don't wait any longer subscribe to rickrungood.com
Okay, now the 8Ks. So this is where we start to get into uh, some of the value plays and some of the guys that are now uh, graduating finally from the Corn Ferry Tour up to the PGA Tour. Uh, I'll start with Charlie Hoffman. He's more of a known entity, $8,800. If you look at his results from last year on a, on a kind of a fantasy point uh, basis, he was one of the most valuable golfers um, on, on the entire slate or on the entire, I don't know what you want to call it, the entire league, the entire tour. Um, because what he generally did, did is he, he had a lot of time. 20 finishes and he was generally uh, always very cheap and to see him priced in a way uh, at $8,800 that is cheaper than Grillo and Champ and Varner and Siwoo Kim and Mark Leishman does he have as much upside as some of those guys maybe not uh, but is he more solid has he been out producing um, kind of that value metric that that fantasy points per $1,000 that you spent yeah absolutely he was one of the most valuable guys on the slate last year um, this is also a situation where uh, we get uh, a Steven Yeager, okay? Steven Yeager and Mito Pereira. These are names that you might have heard, might not have heard before. Let's start with let's start with Pereira because um, we did finally get access to Mito at the uh, last summer because he got the battlefield promotion. That is when, when you win three times on the uh, corn Ferry tour in the same season, you get an automatic promotion to the PGA tour. So he did get his card last summer. So this is not a situation where he's now making his PGA tour debut. Like a lot of the guys in this field are. And what we saw from Mito after his debut was, was special stuff. Let me just find the date that he actually did make his debut. I think it was like July. Yeah, okay, so it would have been basically July 4th, the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Let's run the numbers for everybody on tour since July 4th. All right, so here we go. This is everyone on tour. This is not just the guys in this field. And we're going to remove the small sample sizes. So let's say, you know, 22 rounds or more. Uh, Mito played... 24 measured rounds. So 22 rounds or more in terms of ball striking, that strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained approach is probably the single best metrics metric that exists. Here were the guys that had 22 rounds or more and were better than Mito. Bryson DeChambeau, Victor Hovland, Daniel Berger, Justin Thomas, Corey Connors. That's it. Mito Pereira is behind those guys. That's the level of ball striking that I get really, really excited about. A known winner, a guy that can get into the winner's circle, right? He, I don't care if it's the Corn Ferry Tour, if it's your local club championship. If you are comfortable beating everyone who is thrown out in front of you on the course over four days or whatever it is, that's a skill. And Mito Pereira has that skill. He's very, very cheap. He's going to be popular at $8,000. The other one is, is Steven Yeager. He is a little bit more expensive, $8,200. And we do not have a lot of PGA Tour data on Steven Yeager, but he, you know, he spent a lot of time last year on the Corn Ferry being kind of overshadowed by Will Zalatoris, by Mito Pereira. He won twice. He finished runner-up, I think, four more times. Yeah, he finished inside the top 10 in one third of his starts. And I, I kind of think he's more of like a, like his PGA Tour comp is probably Webb Simpson. Something like that where, you know, on their own respective tours, they're not long hitters. They're both ranked outside the top 100, but they're very accurate off the tee. And then fairway through green is really where they make their hay. Um, so Jaeger at 8,200, I was hoping to see him maybe like 7,700, something like that. But these are these are pretty good flyers. Guys that can come up here who are comfortable winning on the corn ferry, ready to make some noise. You know, it, it, that that's the type of golfer that I think um, is certainly worth a target this week. The $7,000 range. And this is where I want to kind of lean on the new, you know, course fit 
tool, the course key stats tool here and look for guys in the $7,000 range. So I still have this on 24 rounds. And the first guy that jumps up who should be a good course fit is Taylor Pendrith in the 70 in the $7,000 range. That's, that's, what I'm what I'm mentioning here. He's 7,400. I only have 18 rounds on him, uh, but he, in theory, would be a pretty good fit. Then you see a couple of more familiar names. Pat Perez, Hank Biota, Brian Stewart, all in the $7,000 range, all ranking inside the top 10 of this adjusted fit tool. And I think that's noteworthy, right? You know, we want to find the balance between established PGA tour professionals and uh, also those guys who are coming up and trying to trying to uh, figure, we're trying to figure out what type of player they are. Let's look at hammer and Hank Lebiota here because he was on an absolute tear uh, before he had to withdraw for a, a family concern. And then he couldn't really get back to it. Right. So he, after he comes back after a couple of weeks, misses the cut at the Wyndham championship, misses the cut at the Northern trust. What version of Lebiota are we going to get? Are we going to get the version here from uh, from May to July where he was phenomenal and was racking up top 20 and top five finishes? Or is that the outlier now? Well, with a couple of weeks off, basically a month off, we're going to find out. And I think that the price tag, which is only, I think he's only 71. He's very, very cheap. $7,100. I think that's worth the flyer. Because if he is the top 10 machine, if he is, especially in fields like this, if he is the top 10 machine, um, that's that's what wins you a GPP. So I, I think that is at least worth the flyer at 7,100 to find out if, if this is, uh, if he gets back to the top 10 version of himself. I would not mind taking a flyer on $7,500 Patton Kazire. Uh, so he finished second here in 2017. But if you look at his last season, which I like to look at this, you know, the draft Kings points gained, how often is he gaining points to the field and how, and how many, um, and he, and in, in terms of the first question, he's doing it a lot. You know, there was really only a handful of tournaments out of 22 last year that he did not gain DraftKings points to the field. And sometimes he gained a lot. He gained 55 to the field at the John Deere Classic, 36 to the field at the Rocket Mortgage, 29 at the 3M Open, even a playoff event. The Northern Trust gained 16 points to the field that week as well. I I think that um, we have seen his putter kind of determine how well he's going to play over the course of a given week. And if that putter can stay hot, um, I think it's interesting. And that it, it, that reminds me, you know, let's just go to this as well. There's just so much stuff I want to do here. Let's also just go to um, these, these uh, hybrid greens, right? So, so what we have here in Napa is, is a combination of uh, Poana greens and, and bent grass. Now we're never going to know, you know, is it 60, 40, is it 70, 30? We're never going to know that. And we're never going to know it for all the other course comps that I have. But I do think there is something to that blend, that hybrid blade. And I know people love, uh, the, the, the grass uh, analysis. So what I'll do is I'm just going to run this from, from the start of 2011, which is how far my data goes back. And on greens that are these hybrid greens, uh, let's just look at who the best putters in the field are in those situations. And I want at least a decent sample size. So um, Matt Kuchar, I suppose would be number one. He has 68 rounds on the hybrid. He's $7,000. So he's in the range that we're currently talking about. He is uh, gains about eight tenths of a stroke per round on these greens. Bill Hostler, Brant Snedeker, Andrew Putnam, uh, Aaron Baddeley, Brendan Todd, kind of rounding out some of the top players on these bent grass or bent slash po greens. The other one that I think is kind of interesting and we only have 24 rounds on him, uh, but it's Kiradat Afi Barnrat. He is $7,300. This is uh, likely his best putting surface, and we just saw him be in contention at the BMW PGA Championship last week on the European Tour, and that is a... 
Um, I mean, it's their players' championship, right? It's a huge event for them. Billy Horschel went over there. Victor Hovland went over there. Uh, a lot of big-name players were playing that event, and Kiradek was uh, keeping his name in the mix, $7,300. Again, we're in flyer mode right now. That's that's kind of where we're at when we're getting into that $7,000 range. What types of golfers are we getting? Most we haven't seen play anywhere in weeks. We're trying to just figure out the considerations along the way. The rest of the the, the board is the $6,000 range. You know, Michael Thompson at 6900 he's kind of a swing season type hero. Played well at the Barracuda coming down the stretch. Made the cut at the 3M. Obviously did not make it um, into the playoffs at all, actually. And uh, has finished in the top 25 in each of the last two years here in Napa. I would not mind that. Then I wouldn't mind taking a couple of flyers on... Uh, a few different players. Um, Brandon Hagee at 6,700 is very, very boomer bust. You can see it kind of in his results. It's going to be like fifth place finish or missed cut or second or missed cut. He is uh, very, very volatile, but if you're looking for upside, I don't mind that. David Lipsky, get used to that name. He's got his tour card for this year coming up from the Corn Ferry. Uh, very solid Corn Ferry tour player. I'm excited to see what he's able to do at, at, at 6,700. I'm excited to see what he's going to do on tour this season. There's also, I think, a little bit of a misprice on some of the more established PGA Tour guys down in this range, maybe like a Mark Hubbard or a a Michael Gligic, both who have made at least four cuts in a row. Hubbard finished 13th here last year. Gligic made the cut here last year as well. When we're down in the mid $6,000 range, this is really... you know, you're not really expecting much. Making the cut is is more than enough from down here. And they're being priced with guys that we have no idea what they are. And and sometimes I like the unknown entity. Sometimes the unknown entity can be really exciting. But here, I, I think we're a couple hundred dollars off on these golfers, especially when you compare them. You know, is Mark Hubbard really $500 worse than Cheston Hadley? Patrick Rogers? Chad Ramey, like Alex Smalley. I like Smalley, but do we know what he is yet on the PGA Tour? So I I wouldn't be afraid to go with some of the more established guys uh, down in this range as well. And then outside of that, I'm I'm not sure I'm super... I'm super excited. There are a couple guys down here with like decent course history, right? You have Bill Haas who hasn't played particularly well, but in his last three trips to this event, he's got top 20s in all of them. I don't know if I'll be able to get there. Um, Here's another one. Three... Top 35s in his last four trips for Peter Malnati. He's an absolute psycho. He can he could win this event or he could finish dead last. I wouldn't be surprised in any of them. So um, I, I think the flexibility by kind of the upper sixes, the mid sixes and up, uh, as well as the sevens, gives you the opportunity to get to John Ron. But let's build a couple of let's build a custom model here and see what happens. This is the custom model tool on rickrungood.com. You can put in any number of rounds that you want. You can add uh, different metrics in here and and weigh everything and and get your own custom model. Then you can build lineups with it. Um, So what I'm actually going to do here is I'm going to open this up. I don't normally, I could probably do this two different ways and maybe I'll do it differently on the live chat on Wednesday. But for right now, I'm going with 50 rounds. It's probably the most I've ever done on a DFS Monday, Monday video because again, I know it was a quick turnaround for uh, the guys who were playing, uh, where they maybe only had one week off or two weeks off. The The rest of these guys, we haven't seen in a while. And again, I like to think that most guys get back to their baseline. So I'm going to run this one for 50 rounds, kind of more of a longer term one. And then what we'll maybe do on Wednesday's live chat is we'll run another one much more recent, maybe like last 16 or something like that. 
And again, we don't really have a lot of great metrics. So I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to create a hybrid kind of um, uh, model here. And I, I do want to uh, continue to weigh uh, off the TN approach. So I'm going to put 25. No, I'm going to do 20 and 20 on, on off the TN approach. And I'll do 10 and 10 on around the green and putting. That is my just kind of blended, weighted strokes gain total. So that's 40, 50, 60. Uh, then I'm also going to do uh, 20 on birdie or better. So that leaves me with, what do I have left? I have 20 left. Um, this is a, uh, it is a par 72. So you have the par fives. I'm going to put the rest on par five scoring. And let's just see what this bears out to be. And my number one golfer is, yeah, no surprise, John Rahm. Uh, and pretty significantly too. The gap between him and Webb Simpson, and that's what I think is important. That's why I create this value number here, right? I don't just want to rank them. Just ranking them doesn't really tell you if there's a gap there. So really the way this reads is John Rahm's value is 92 based on my metrics that I put in there. Um, that is a, a nine-point gap to Webb Simpson, which is the same gap between Webb at two and Patton Kazire at nine. That's why I use the value, to show how big that gap is instead of just ranking guys. So John Rahm, significantly my number one golfer. Webb Simpson, Hideki, and Will Zalatoris are the next three. I guess that should be no surprise. We're, you know, longer term stuff. We're seeing the higher, more expensive golfers. Charlie Hoffman is five for me. Again, I don't think that's a surprise. I identify with my own two eyes that I believe Hoffman is probably one of the um, more underpriced or mispriced golfers uh, on the slate with what he did last season, with the way that he should fit this course. Yeah, I, I, Charlie Hoffman's probably going to be in my core. Uh, Tringale is there at 97. We talked about him. Did not talk at all about Luke List, who's number seven for me. Might have to do a deeper dive into Luke List and Max Homa, who rounds out my top 10. Those are golfers that I, to this point in the week, haven't considered. So I've got homework to do. Um, eight and nine for me are Lee Biota and Kazire, two guys that I did also talk about there. And I, again, I think they're, I think they're kind of, I think they're kind of mispriced. So uh, very fun to run models. Uh, you can obviously, you know, now build lineups off of this. You can set your min and max salary, how many lineups you want. When ownership comes through, your projected ownership will be in there. So uh, it'll be great throughout the week. We're back, baby. One week off. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, let me know what you think. You can tweet me at Rick Run Good. You can leave a comment below. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.